Welcome to the Gone Trippin' Podcast. I'm Ren. And I'm Ashley. And we're your hosts for today's podcast. Expect some tangents. You're along for the ride as we interview valued people in the travel industry. From photographers to vagabonds and everything in between. Let us help you make every trip an adventure. Reading the road signs, gone trippin'. One playlist at a time. Gone trippin', odometer's tickin'. My Mountain Dew and Red Bull sippin'. I'm a road warrior on a mission You won't find me just sitting home wishing Cause I am gone tripping This episode is brought to you by Airport Parking Reservations. Save up to 70% on the cost of on-airport parking by using reservations. Save time by not having to arrive early at the airport to scout out a spot in a busy airport or your favorite close lot. Cancellations are free and booking is simple and quick. Easily compare rates from a variety of lots, including covered and valet. See pictures of the lots, how often shuttles arrive, and any extra details of your choice. Use airport parking reservations for airports like Los Angeles, Denver, Baltimore, Atlanta, and 65 other major airports. Check them out on our website at gontrippinpodcast.com and clicking on airport parking reservations. It's that time. Drink of the day. Because every road trip starts with a drink. The last episode, you told me I had to quit trying to make connections between the drink of the day and our guest. I didn't, I don't ever tell you what to do. Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) You were pretty, you were pretty implicit that my, my connections weren't working. It might not be the best way to go because I don't know that some of them were getting very stretched. Well, I just want you to know that this one really works with our guest but okay the listeners are gonna have to work it out on their own since i'm not allowed to bring it up but today we have gooey butter cake soda that is interesting i wonder if it tastes gooey it looks like it's clear and liquidy well it's so like the color kind of like a a buttery cake yellow cake right no it no it's not yellow cake is like yellow that's like cream the, soda yeah the color of cream soda all right let's try this out interesting not a fan. Not a fan. Oh, that really does taste like lemon cake. Or not lemon cake. It does taste like yellow cake. That is funny. I actually don't mind it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like it. it definitely, it tastes like a, um, it tastes like a cream soda when it goes down, but yeah. you get the buttery cake afterwards. Yeah. So it, I feel like the aftertaste in like 10 minutes will be really nasty, but I don't mind it. <laughs> not my favorite. Yeah. I would totally get this again. Really? If anybody, you know, is unsure whether our palate is different, then now's a good time to find out. The gooey butter cake soda broke the tie and let you all know. No, our palates are definitely different when it comes to food and drink. Speaking of food and drink, let's move on to our guest. We love food on our podcast here. We love all things food and we're excited to talk to our guest today who is Rupert from the Food Tour Company in Santa Fe. How are you, Rupert? Hey, you guys. I am doing well. I, I have to say that I love food a lot. So <laughs> I'm right there with you guys. Well, that brings <laughs> me to my first question is, how do you become a food taster? And like, to, like, how do you even get your name out there? Like, hey, I'm really good at food. Like, come around with me. How did this even start? You know, so it, it, the story is I was making a trip to Chicago a few years back, and I knew that 
I wanted to taste my very first Chicago dog. <gasps> Everyone's yes. raving about what a Chicago dog is, right? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to look online and look for the best places to get a Chicago dog. And I Googled it and up came a food tour um, option where you not only got the Chicago dog, but you got on all these other flavors of Chicago plus a historical tour. And I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. So I took the tour and I just fell in love with the concept um, right then and there that that you were able to taste all these mom and pop restaurants in this huge city. And also you got a little bit of history along the way. So when I moved to Santa Fe, I had no job. And I was like, gosh, what am I gonna do? And then I remember the food tour company or the food tour that I took in um, in Chicago. And I was like, I'm gonna start a food tour company here in Santa Fe. So uh, that's what I did. And that's how I, I got into the food tour uh, industry. So one of the things that I, well, Ashley claims she loves food, but I love food. That's so, true. I think he really loves sauce and yeah. not food. Like I think no. it's the sauces, I like, but he I, does love food. I like all aspects of food. Um, in fact, uh, I remember when we first started dating, she would constantly uh, you know, talk to people and about me. And she's like, the only time I've seen him angry is when it comes to food. It's true. <laughs> Don't mess with this food, people. <laughs> I just, and, you know, it, it for, for me, you know, I, I, I love food and I love all types of food. But when I got into this business, I think one of the things that I found exciting was that when I decided to go around town and find the best partners to work with me and to take my customers to, I would go in to their establishment and they would bring me a table full of all of their best dishes and I would get to sit down and try every single one of them. And it was so hard to determine which one eventually I was gonna have to select. Yeah. That sounds like heaven. Well, well that's one of the things that um, I think is for me, cause I, I, I am so, what's the word not picky pa- i guess passionate about food so like when i when i go uh, i'm a creature of habit so when i go to a place for the first time it takes me forever to pick what i get and it, it drives ashley mad uh it's like just pick something and and so i take forever to pick so when i finally pick if it's good the next time we go there i'm getting the same thing it's hard for me to deviate if i get if i, if I pick something and it's delicious and so that's one of the reasons I like buffets when I try new food. Like uh, the first time I had Indian food uh, was a buffet lunch. And I don't know if I would have enjoyed the Indian food experience if I hadn't had the opportunity to try eight to ten different items my first time. Absolutely. And go, this is the one I like. Not a huge fan of this one. This one's good. You know, I've gone, I've gone through it. So, well, and then you get a bigger variety as well, too. Yeah, well, and, and you, when you're trying something new for the first time, you really get to find the sense of, okay, this is the type of stuff they have. Um, so when you go on these tours, is that what happens is you pick a certain thing that your, your guests try, or do they have a couple different options when they get to the restaurant? Yeah, so everything is actually pre-selected. So once I do an actual tasting with all of my partners and we select the dish that's going to be on the tour, then we do come up with a couple of different options as far as like if we have a vegetarian or a vegan on tour. Mm. But other than that, um, all the all the uh, tastings have been pre-selected already. And so when people come through, I typically will select something that that's that is a staple of Santa Fe. Like we have a Navajo taco on our tour, mm. on one of our lunch tours. Um, but then I also pick some things that are kind of unique, but still maybe a little bit familiar. Like we have this place called Macalicious that's just joined our tour. 
and it's uh, amazing macaroni and cheese, but um, with Santa Fe twist on some of them. So one of the one the, the one that we actually taste on our tour is a green chili uh, mac and cheese. So it is it it's so good, and everyone just absolutely loves it because I mean you combine comfort food, but you also combine the flavors of the city of Santa Fe into that. So. That's so funny. Our last guest just drove through Santa Fe and she was talking about how she loved Santa Fe and the food. And she's like, anything with green chilies in it. That's all I want to eat is green chilies. <laughs> so it's so funny that you say the mac and cheese with green chilies because that really oh, yeah. is Santa Fe. That, you know, uh, New Mexico is the only state with an official question. And that question is red or green because we love our chilies, either red chili or green chili. And if you cannot decide which color you'd like, and you say Christmas. Well, and, and you say that, <laughs> but it's so true because um, I believe it's the University of New Mexico actually has like a whole department dedicated to chili peppers that they and they and they they test out the heat. They test out different types. Um, the only reason I know that is uh, Boise State, my uh, home college football team, plays New Mexico. And there was an ESPN game about eight years ago, and, and they did a story on the uh, chili pepper uh, department at University of New Mexico. It's a serious deal. Like, they well, I'm telling you, it like crazy. New Mexico, we love our chilies, you know, and, and you know, our chilies aren't that because they have what's called a Scoville scale, and yeah. all chilies will fall on that Scoville scale, bell pepper being zero. Uh, they have, I think it's Carolina Reaper um, yeah. or ghost pepper, which is like 2.3 million on that Scoville scale. But our chilies will fall around 2,500 to 7,000 on that scale. So nowhere near the ghost pepper, but it is definitely a little bit hotter than a, than a bell pepper. Yeah, and it has a good taste to it. She talked about sauce. Uh, hot sauce, is that kind of a staple down there in Santa Fe or is that too Actually, to, it to... is not a staple. It's so interesting that you bring that up because when I, you know, me being um, having Latin American roots, um, in my heritage, my mom would make hot sauce all the time. And I'm originally from Austin, Texas. Okay. Um, so she would make hot sauce all the time. And I was not personally a person that loved hot sauce. So she would make it for um, our family. And I, of course, would pass every single time. Well, then I moved out here to Santa Fe. And of course, everything here is green, red and green chili, everything on top of everything. So I was like, you know what? I have to get used to this, especially if I'm going to have a food tour out here. So I would slowly add like a dab of chili onto my food. And then eventually I said, okay, you know what? Just bring me a whole bowl of it. And then, then it moved to, let me just, just keep it on the dish, just pour it all over everything. <laughs> so when I went back this past Christmas to visit my mom, um, she made breakfast and I was like, mom, do you have any hot sauce? And she was like, oh my God, Mijo, this is amazing. So she made me like this huge, this huge pot of hot sauce and sent it home with me. So she was, she was very excited that, that I was able to love hot sauce. And I do miss <laughs> hot sauce because everything here again is just chilies. Well, it, you mentioned the, the Scoville, uh, the Scoville scale. That whole scale is funny to me. Peppers are really interesting to me. Um, my dad, uh, and, and my mom are two to two total opposites. My mom likes heat. My dad, he cannot handle heat whatsoever. And it's funny to me how uh, different everybody's lever level of tolerance is when it comes to heat. Um, my dad has a huge garden. And uh, I remember oh, it was probably four summers ago, I'd stopped by the house and he had just picked out some, some peppers from the garden. And he said, hey, um, can you test this pepper out it, it, see if it's hot? And it was like a bell pepper had mixed with like a poblano pepper uh, on accident in his garden from like the previous year or whatever. And uh, I was like, yeah. And so 
I took a bite of it and I was like, oh, there's like zero heat whatsoever. Like, and I did not taste any heat. It's like, okay, so he's just, we're just eating it raw and he takes a big old bite of it. And all of a sudden, I've never seen my dad turn into a five-year-old girl so quickly <laughs> and over the sink, spitting out like, oh, hot, hot, and trying to like water. It was hilarious. Well, so that's and my question can- <laughs> is, have you ever had anyone on the tour who just cannot handle it? I mean, because if you're from the Southwest, usually some of those flavors are pretty familiar. But like, have you ever just had someone be like, no, 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 this is too hot? You know, actually, I have. And typically what we do is I do because I do offer them an option to have it on the side if it's not already mixed into the actual dish. So I do tell people, it, you are going to be tasting some chili today, and if you don't have a tolerance for heat, just let me know because I can definitely get it on the side. And I, I would say I've been doing this for a couple of years now. I've only had a very select few that have asked for it on the side, and I've only had two that have just broken out in a sweat and had to run <laughs> to the restroom. So it had, it had, most people will be like, I'll take it on the side. They're not going to take a chance. So – when you when you tell the chefs, you know, because you're going to all these different places around the city, and you tell them like, "I'm bringing in tourists. Can you put the stuff on the side?" Are they like a little bit annoyed of like, "Can't these people just eat the food?" Or are they like more than willing because they want people to taste their food? You know, I think any other place than uh, New Mexico, I think they would be pretty annoyed. But I think for the most part, people here because it's in everything. I think they already know that most people. It seems like because when I see tourists come to the restaurants, I look around. I can always tell the tourists because the people from New Mexico typically will have green, red and green chili all over their plate. And the tourists will have a bowl on the side with the chili. So I'm like, "Ah, they're tourists. So (laughs) I I, I don't think the chefs here are as much offended if they were in another state. You have several varieties of tours that you offer. Is it always the same food every time or do you try and pick a different food? Like, do you personally have a favorite that you're like, we just got to go to this place? We have two different types of tours, a cocktails, brews and bites tour, which is our evening tour. So that is we go to we go to four different restaurants and they're paired with adult beverages. And then for a lunch tour now, we have completely five completely different partners that we go to with different tastings. And there's only one wine tasting. So if you go on one tour, it's going to be completely different when you go on another tour. So you have a different experience. You'll learn a little bit different history along the way. And then, of course, you're going to taste different flavors and different dishes um, on each of the different tours. So we actually are coming through Santa Fe this summer. And so we've had Santa Fe on our bucket list for a while. And then um, after we talked to our last guest who was like fell in love with Santa Fe, like head over heels for the food, for the people, for the place called Meow Wolf or whatever it is. Oh, Meow Wolf, yes. <laughs> so she, she's got us really excited about coming to Santa Fe now. So we have four kids, you know, one baby. We, could we possibly book like our own tour and go on like a, a family style tour? Do you do private bookings? Because I know yeah we do we we can do private uh private tours for people and we kind of we can tailor it a little bit um because we you know not only do we have the partners that we work with currently uh sometimes throughout the year we may switch partners just um some some of the partners may be too busy during a certain time of the season so we switch we switch uh, our partners out periodically so i do me personally i do have a wide range of partners available because sometimes we do get uh, a huge with this one i had was a family reunion tour so it was a private tour with uh, a lot of families and children and so you know we obviously took out anything with with alcohol stops um 
And then we we also went to places that were a little bit more kid kid friendly and that had some dishes that that possibly the kids could have. But even on some of our tours, we do have kid options available for uh, for children because we know that they're not going to necessarily enjoy a Navajo taco. You know, they prefer chicken tenders and uh, French fries. So at some of our some of our partners, we do have those options for the kids that just have to have. They're chicken tenders and french fries like my little nephew does. Okay. I, I was going to say, you haven't met our five-year-old. He just discovered tacos, and it's like oh, his, no. <laughs> it's like his new favorite meal. Uh, he just turned yeah, And you guys, please let me know when you guys are going to be here. I'll get yeah. you guys on the tour. That would be awesome. Um, I'd be I'd love to have you guys on the tour because it's it, – I always tell people one of the best ways to explore a city is to book a food tour when you first get to the city because that way – You'll learn the history of the city. You'll learn some places to go to go back and visit, but also you're going to learn some of the best places to eat. And that way, you've tasted a little sample of those dishes, and you like you're like you know what? I want to go back to that one place that we ate at, and I want to try some of their other food there. So I always recommend people when they go to a city, search and see if the city has a food tour. Take that food tour on the first day you're there. That way, you can kind of get acclimated to the city. You can kind of you get to know your way around a little bit and then you don't have to worry about where am I going to eat? And you're, and you're more than likely not going to get um, into the tourist traps when it comes to eating at a restaurant, because, you know, if you Google a place, you're going to see what I call the tourist traps and they may have great food, but they're going to be packed. The price is going to be astronomical. So when you go on a food tour, typically me and my colleagues throughout the U S we will take people to mom and pop places places that that are off the beaten path that most people don't really know about if you Google and they have some of the best food that the city has to offer in addition to having some of the best prices too. My, my, I was going to say going along with that because I totally know what you're talking about. Um, not only is it, you might find them on Google, but because of the mom and pop nature, they don't have the professional pictures. Um, they don't have the botten reviews. <laughs> and yeah, so they or, or really, the advertising yeah, for Google it, ads, those, it, those add up. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, that's one of my, one of my things is when I go to a new place, I don't want to, I don't want to go to subway. I don't want to go to McDonald's. Um, those are, those are things that we do in when it's necessary. Um, but it's like, okay, so, you know, we're driving from Pennsylvania, um, to Mesa, Arizona. That's how we're getting. That's through. the first leg of our trip. Yeah. So we've, we've got like, three destinations that we're going to hit on that long drive before we hit Mesa and Santa Fe is one of them. So we'll be there for, not even for a day. And I don't want to, I don't want to get there and have to like, Oh man, where do I get to eat? Because it's going to be the same thing is we're going to look through a list and we're going to like, man, I don't know which one. Or it's like a time crunch too. And it's like, well, McDonald's is always right by the freeway. We'll just eat at McDonald's. And so you always miss the good food those places and, and so the thing i like about this tour is i can go and try different items or different things at different places so that when we come back through because and we got family in mesa arizona we're gonna be coming through santa fe over the next 18 years quite a few times so now we're gonna know hey here's the places we want to eat at when we go through there um and uh but also with um, the food tour company i, I imagine that it's going to be um easy to call you and say, Hey, we're coming back through. It's been a couple of years. Is there any new restaurants that we should try? Um, because they're popping up all the time. Right. 
They really are. And, you know, Santa Fe is actually a huge foodie town. So when you come to Santa Fe, there's two things people generally come to Santa Fe and enjoy. And one of them is, of course, the art. We are a huge art community. We're the third largest art community in the U.S. So you have L.A., you have New York, and then you have Santa Fe because we have over 220 art galleries in the city. And then second is people will come for the food because we have um, huge food community we have james beard award-winning chefs here so the the few the food community is gigantic so whenever whenever i tell people about trying restaurants i say i could probably try a restaurant once a day and not be done in a year because there are so many restaurants throughout the city and um you know i think people tend to get people tend to get when they're in a city they tend to get um uh used to some of the places that they've gone to with their families with their friends so they don't venture outside of that that small little bubble um that they have and so one of the things that that i that i promised myself when i moved to santa fe was to not to go in into any of the chain restaurants not to go any of the fast food restaurants to actually look for places uh, in the city that i haven't tried and continue to go to each of those places and of course owning the food the food tour company has has helped out with that but even in addition to that where outside of my my tour bubble which is usually the 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 plaza area which is our most touristy area i will go to all over santa fe and try a new restaurant just because i I think you have an option to really embrace the culture of the city because we have we have a huge italian community out here in santa fe which i had no idea we had but because during yeah during the 1800s they came out here because it was easy for them to to uh, practice their catholic religion here and so they they established roots here so we have a ton of mom and pop italian restaurants i love italian food and so it was an opportunity um for me to just continue to try different restaurants and learn different cultures out here and that's what i I encourage everyone to do in their city is to look on look on the google and see what kind of heritage you have in your local city and look what kind of restaurants match that heritage because you are more than likely going to find a lot of mom and pop restaurants that will match the heritages, uh, the cultures that are in your city. And you're going to probably find some of the best restaurants to try. Yeah. See, I don't think anybody would have ever gone and said, oh, yeah, New Mexico, Italian food. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so that's really interesting to find out. Is it walking tour or do you have a party bus? How does it no, work? it is. It is a walking tour, and my tours are usually um, uh, less than a mile for walking. But typically, what happens, how how it goes, is we'll we'll meet at our first location, and at that location, I will kind of do an introduction of the city and of myself, and we got to get we get to know each other, and then we'll we'll head into the tasting partners location establishment. And then I'll start to talk about the history of our tasting partner because it's interesting that each each restaurant, <clears throat> this is with any anywhere in the US or anywhere in the world, each restaurant has a story. And that's one of the most intriguing things about working uh, in this food tourism industry is that you get to uncover the unique story that each of the, the restaurant owners have. And you get to share that with the people. And then as I'm telling that story, then the tasting's coming out and then they start to taste the flavors and and the dish of of that specific location and they're they're more invested i think into the food because at this point they've started to learn the history of the restaurant owner they learn the history of the products and and produce and and food that that, that they use to make to make the dish so so to me i think when they when people are given that information the tasting just 
heightens that much more. So we do that and then typically we'll go to the next location. Uh, but between that next location, we will we will hit a historical spot. So we'll talk about some history along the way of things that you may not be able to our our specific tours is a history that you don't you can't easily Google. Because if you if you can easily Google it, then I don't want to tell that story because people will hear that a hundred times. So I will go usually and find find houses that look unique and I'll go talk to the owners and say, tell me about your building, tell me about your home. And then we'll continue that. It'll be a tasting and then a historical spot. But I think I think ultimately um, I have three goals in mind when I do a tour and I always tell the, tell the customers this in the beginning is the first goal is that they have a good time, not, not only with me, but with each other. And then the second goal is that they learn a little bit about our partners and about the food that they're tasting and then about the, the history in the city of Santa Fe. So that way they feel comfortable coming back to the city on their own and doing taking their friends to all these places that they've learned about. And then the third one, of course, is that they are moderately but pleasantly full because we don't want them to feel uncomfortable uh, when they leave the tour, but we want them to not have to worry about going to get meals afterwards. So that was my question because you use a lot of words like tasting and trying, and that would be my number one fear is I'm going to go on this place and then not be full when I leave. <laughs> so, you have my number one. <laughs> you're right. I eat I, two more plates <laughs> than she does. <laughs> and usually it's the it's the men who um, who typically in our industry are the ones that are a little leery on going on food tours. Um, our demographics for the food tour industry are women, um, and women will typically drag their husbands or boyfriends out to these food tours because the husbands, of course, are wanting this to sit down and have this nice, huge meal, and the women are wanting to embrace an experience and share it with their friends and family. So our demographics are typically women, but I, I love it when, when they bring their husbands or their boyfriends out and at the end of the tour, they, they'll come up to me and they're like, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. So to me, that means that I've done my job. And actually on this last tour, I had um, the four or five of the, the members on the group um, tell me that, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're eating more because I, it's my job to go to our partners, our food partners, and get a good price on the tasting, but also get a good portion size on the tasting so that way our customers feel like they've they've obtained or they've gotten a good value for their ticket price. Right. So they don't they don't pay individually at each restaurant on things. They pay you and then everything's covered underneath that, correct? That is correct. Yep. They don't have to worry about tipping anybody except for the tour guide. If you know, we the tour guide we put in there, you know, and that's typical of all true tour companies, the tour guides uh, will get tipped if you feel like they they've done a good job at the end. But we as the as the food tour owners we we've set established price which includes tip and things like that for the each of our tasting partners that's awesome that's so nice too that's taken care ahead of time one of the things yeah. i find interesting about the food industry like i don't think people fully can appreciate how much food uh, has to do with our lives and like the human culture. Well, and, and the history yeah. too, like all of your food is tied into that. Like exactly. And so it's one of those things that's funny to me. Um, you know, one of my favorites is, uh, I, I took a group of friends out to a little tiny town in Idaho called Bruno, Idaho. And Bruno, Idaho is, uh, famous for the Bruno sand dunes. It's the largest standalone sand dune, uh, they had the largest standalone sand dune in North America. Um, and it's just in the middle of the desert. Really interesting place to go to. has a little pond in front of it. You can go sandboarding. Really fun uh, place in elementary school, at least back when I was a kid. You, you, like in third grade, 
you'd always go. That was your uh, field trip was out there, and it's you know like an hour away. I was probably 28, 30 years old when I first found out. Just in case you guys are wondering, Ike joined the program today. Uh, <laughs> hey, Ike. Um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't know that there was an actual town of Bruno because it was like another mile or two past Bruno Sand Dunes and um, State Park. And so uh, we saw I'm like, oh, there's actually a town Bruno. So after we were hanging out at Bruno Sand Dunes for the morning, we decided to go and see what the town of Bruno was. And it's like population 100, 100. It is tiny. And uh, so I, I went in and we're, we're driving around. It's Main Street's two blocks long. And I remember my friends going like, where are we going to eat? There's no place to eat here. And it's like, where do you think these people eat? Because it's 45 minutes to the closest, you know, big city or bigger city. And there's, I mean, where do you think they eat? So we drove around, you know, a little couple offshoots of Main Street. And sure enough, they had like three restaurants in town. And we went to one of them and it was awesome. It was delicious. The atmosphere was really cool. It looked like a saloon, uh, like from, you know, the old West, but had really good food. And so I think you can find that in any town in America, no matter the size if you're driving through, I think you should do a quick search, and you're probably not going to find it in Google um, in a lot of cases. Yeah, you definitely have to drive for mm-hmm. it. And so, well, in a small town, it's two blocks that you're driving. It's not like you're Well, yeah, you're but like lost. in a small town, and like you only pulled over to get gas, and all the kids needed to go to the bathroom, like sometimes it feels like, man, I got to go look for the restaurant. Yeah. You know, it's not always your favorite thing to do, but it's worth the two-block drive. Exactly, because you're going to find something. And then the people, that's the coolest part is... Yep. You know, when we sat there and it was it was the local guy who's always there at the bar drinking um, and talking with the owner um, and like two other people in town that are just, you know, came by to see how everybody was doing. So there's four people in this place and and then you and your three or four friends and you're just eating and they're talking to you like, so what what brought you guys to Bruno? You know, what are you doing? And having the conversation and making those connections that you're like, that was fun. That whole experience is different because when you go to like a big city, big, big city, and I'm not mocking big cities, like big cities have even more hole in the walls. That's what I like to call them, mom and pops, these hole in the walls mm-hmm. that have awesome food. Um, but it's just these small towns are so funny to me because you get a connection with the owner. And it's very rare when you go to these overpacked, you know, in and out is like everybody's favorite thing. And it was good, but it was almost overhyped. So you go to these overhyped tourist traps, as you call it, like as you referred to them, you don't get that intimate experience. Well, and that's what I like that you also give the history of the restaurant and of the, you know, of the facility, because I feel like that does help you, you know, understand it more and understand like where you're coming from. We uh, watch a TV show that we really hate. Like we always guess the ending and it's probably, we guess at the most depressing thing possible and that's usually what happens. And yet we still watch it every week because there's a few characters that we just really, really like. And I feel like this is all it is like with the food too. If you've got to um, understand the history of it and then you've, you're invested into the food. Not that I'm saying of like, oh, well at least you like the owner, the, f- the bad food tastes good. Like, you know, it's already good food but that you end up liking more. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think this is what I this is what I personally do when I go to another city. Um, I will try to take a food tour. Um, of course, I am also conscious of 
of my budget as well. Right. <laughs> so sometimes food tours in the bigger cities can be pretty expensive. Um, I, I love going to Las Vegas, but those food tours can be upwards of $150, $275 for and the same experience you can get at a smaller uh, city like you know for our our ticket prices start at $55 so it's 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 a completely different uh price point um so when i go to vegas and this is what i can recommend for people who are foodies and who are going into cities that that they may not they've never been to or cities that they want to try the food um is is to is to really start planning your visit a month before and to search for um some of the restaurants that that may I always put I always look for restaurants a small restaurants in Santa Fe and then that way they will come up with smaller restaurants that are listed and then and then from there from that point on then I'll go on to TripAdvisor and kind of look at at reviews that these restaurants have gone have have received look at at dishes and things like that and then I'll start to do history because typically you can find history in smaller towns even larger towns that the local newspapers have written up about these art, these um, owners, and then you can kind of kind of learn a little bit more about the history of the of the establishment. That way, when you go, you can have a list of restaurants you want to try. And I always recommend if you're going, let's say you're going with as a married couple or a couple, is go into a restaurant and just share a dish. That way, you two can share the exact same dish, and then you can try another restaurant and share a dish, and then try another restaurant and share a dish. So you're not you're not eating a complete meal. But instead, you're sharing a dish, and you're you're saving you're saving money, but you're also a you're also trying different restaurants along the way too. So it's almost creating your own little food tour as you go into another city. That's what I try to do with uh, Ashley. Is I try to go, hey, you get a dish, I get a dish, and we share them. And we've done it a couple of times, and what we found is we like different things. And so <laughs> usually, what happens is is we get our different dishes, and then we each get like a bite. And then, and then and we stick like, to our own it's, dish. It's, like, it's mine. And yeah. usually it's, I mean, she's the pickier eater of the two I of us. I don't say things like that. You're not a huge we, picky we eater. Have different, You're just a pickier eater no. than I am. We have different flavor <laughs> profiles. He likes yeah. very heavy and meaty and saucy. Well, no, what I'm getting and at is, I like flavorful and I, delicious. I like, <laughs> I like all sorts of stuff. And what I'm getting at is, is you like, oh, that's interesting when you try mine. And I'm like, oh, yours is really good. And I want more of yours, but you're not willing to give me more of yours because you don't want more of mine. Because I picked the better dish. <laughs> no, because mine's good too. I just like the variety. And so, um, but it's just really funny because uh, there's, I try to do that a lot with anybody I go to. It's like, you know, even if I go to a chain restaurant like a Red Robin um, for a burger, they got so many different burgers. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I want this one and I want that one. And, uh, and so I'll, I want those ones too. Okay. Well you get that one. I'll get this one. And I always ask for a knife. We cut it in half and you get best of both worlds. And that's why I try to do that every place I go to. Cause like you said, it's like, you know what? There's six of that, us. That does backfire on him a lot though. Well, we went to port in P O R K E D in Pittsburgh, which is delicious. If you're yes. ever in Pittsburgh, you got to go to it. Just a little hole in the wall barbecue joint. And um, they're not hole in the wall. That makes it sound like it's hole got health code variations. Like Everybody no. knows well, we, See, I try to not use hole in the wall. I try to put off the beaten path. There you go. I like that. <laughs> so so it's off the beaten path. And it's delicious. And so we went and it was a small place. You know, you're talking to the owners. My brother was in town visiting. And you guys split nachos and a sandwich. And once it came out, 
you know, you guys both had a bite of the sandwich and you're like, we need two of these. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. You both needed your own. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes that's the way to do it is to, you know, we, we went, uh, went to an Indian restaurant with some friends and uh, that's what we did was we did, you know, kind of family style where we got, you know, four different dishes and then had it set up to where we each could have a scoop of everybody's dish and really try, you know, four different flavors of that restaurant. So, um, that's definitely, I think, a good idea when you're going out to new places is to, you know, get your group and say, okay, let's try as much of the menu as we can, you know, for a hundred bucks. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's definitely a great way to do it. Well, this food tour sounds awesome. So I actually looked into food tours when I was going to New York and the places that they were, they were really tempting and we almost did them except that we knew that we were going to wander around and eat all the food anyhow, but we wanted to be more specific. And so we didn't do one, but this makes me think like, I wonder if we can squeeze a food tour into our road trip at a couple different places that we're stopping just because it really, I think you really get that taste of the area. Well, we're going through Tennessee, which is, you know, barbecue country and that's, that's my jam. And so that definitely, we should look into that. uh, One, One of the, one of the, you know, me being from the south i'm i love barbecue and especially texas we love our beef barbecue and when i moved here to santa fe i I didn't know of a beef barbecue place because we have a lot of pork barbecue places Mm. here uh and then i went on the hunt for one and someone says oh you got to try this place called cowgirl in santa fe and i went to it and i was like this is like my hometown barbecue yeah and so now they're on my tour nice oh <laughs> we, we, awesome. we we do um we do a pork slider and a beef slider and everyone just is in love with with the the sliders when they go on the tour it's 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 so good yeah well i was gonna say when we when we come through we'll definitely uh let you know what, what day we're coming through because Santa Fe is one of our stops. I believe that's where we're staying one night. One of the questions I have for you is, so you have these different partners that you go to. What is your favorite Santa Fe dish? You know, if I, if I, I'm coming through, I don't have, you know, time to go on a tour, but I'm like, I need to get something to eat. Uh, what do I, what do I get? At any so, restaurant. So my favorite Santa Fe dish is the Navajo taco, which you heard me mention earlier. And that that there is not only the flavors in, in a Navajo taco are fantastic because it, it includes what we call our fry bread or Indian fry bread, which is the base of the taco. So it's like yes. a fluff. Thank you for saying Indian fry bread. I have lived too many other places and that's not what they call it anywhere else. Sorry. Yeah. Thank call you. Yeah. Indian fry bread is the correct <laughs> word. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's you know it one one it's it's great because you'll have the the Indian fry bread on the bottom. Then you'll have meat sometimes, squash and corn and lettuce and tomatoes and cheese. So it's 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 a classic staple that people are familiar with, but it also has some history cuz for us the the Indian um, fry bread is is during the 1800s when the U.S. was taking they were taking the Native Americans from their land they were giving them U.S. rations like lard flour salt baking soda things like this and so they needed enough food to feed their families so they threw all these things together and they created the um, the fry bread and that was created out of necessity and so that's been in their culture for the longest time um, and so so for me whenever somebody comes to Santa Fe I said you've got to try 
um, uh, an Indian taco. We, we call it different things. We call it Indian taco. We call it Navajo taco. Um, and so, yes, you've got to try that when you're here in Santa Fe because you'll get the flavors of Santa Fe because then they will put red and green chili on it. So you'll get the flavors of Santa Fe, but you also get a little bit of history uh, of the city as well when you eat that dish. So I always recommend that dish when you come to Santa Fe. So we started with the Chicago dog. And the Chicago dog, I mean, any restaurant in Chicago that's worth its salt for Chicago dogs has the breakdown of the Chicago dog and what's on it, right? So what's the breakdown for the Navajo taco? Uh, you got the fry bread and what, what's what's on top of it? Sure. So so the, the specific one that I love here is from a restaurant called Casa Chimayo in Santa Fe. And so they actually have a twist on their fry bread. It's a it's a blue corn fry bread that they make. And so you have the, the blue corn fry bread on the bottom. Then they'll put um, some carne, which is like meat, um, like a ground meat. Um, then they'll put uh, lettuce, tomatoes, cheese, and then they smother it with red and green chili. And it is just the flavors just mixed together. And they are absolutely fantastic. It is one of the best dishes here in Santa Fe. And that's actually one of the best Navajo um, Indian tacos that I've tried in the city at Casa Chimayo. And, that, and when you go into that restaurant, you literally are in what people would say, wow, I feel like I'm in Santa Fe. It, the, the, the decor, the, the restaurant, the, the service, everything like that. It just says Santa Fe. And of course they were, they were featured on um, diners, drive-ins and dives. So that, that of course gave them a little bit of, of notoriety as well. That's awesome. One of the things that uh, is really interesting to me is uh, the food tours. So it sounds like you go on these food tours everywhere you go. So it kind of leads into some questions that we have for you to, uh, that we ask every one of our guests. So they go on tripping questions. So first question is, um, what is the favorite place that you've been to? It doesn't necessarily have to be food related. It could be, you know, an experience you had. What's the, your favorite place that you've been to when you've traveled? Oh, wow. So, you know, I, I, I am in my 40s and I had never been to the Grand Canyon. It, it is like the epitome of being an American is everyone has got to go to the Grand Canyon at least once. And I was like, why? It's just it's just this this huge hole in the earth. And I uh, went a few years back and it was probably one of the most beautiful sites, one of the most spectacular sites I've ever seen. It was breathtaking. I get chills just talking about it now. And I'm like, wow, this is, you feel like you're so tiny in this huge, vast world when you stand there because of how, how enormous it is. So to me, that was one of the best places that I've ever been to and have ever experienced. I think it's one of the the, the, the places that, that really made me take a step back and, and realize, Wow, there's so much more of this world I have to explore. Yeah, it seriously is, and, and the Grand Canyon's amazing. Uh, my one experience in the Grand Canyon it snowed, uh, which was really oh, cool. Wow. So it was covered with snow. It was awesome, a uh, really pretty sight. So I need to get back there. Uh, hopefully this trip uh, where it's nice and hot. Our next question is: What is your biggest travel fail? Where something just did not go the way you expected or it did not happen the way that you wanted it to go and things just didn't work. So typically now when I go to a city, I usually put an itinerary together and I, 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 I get very frustrated when, when things don't fall into place because I even go as far as putting times of when we're going to hit the next location, we're going to hit the next spot. I think you and I would be good travel buddies. And, 
<laughs> and it seems that when I went to Vegas, um, I the places we were we had on my list were either closed, things were broken, the times were off, and it just nothing ever seemed to fall into place. So I got so frustrated, and I felt like I had failed as someone putting together who usually puts together a pretty good itinerary when we go on a, on a travel um, when we go traveling somewhere. But I think in the end, because of that, I was able to just kind of do things off the cuff. And in, in hindsight, just, just kind of sitting down and, and recalling the, va- the, the vacation, I was like, you know what, I actually did have a really good time, even though it was stressful because at one point at the, when we went to, to Vegas, one of the, one of the spots was we wanted to, to get to this bar. It was called tipsy tipsy robot i think it's where it's a robot that actually makes your drinks so i was when we got there and it was broken i just literally just threw my itinerary down and i said okay you know what we're just going to do things off the cuff and we did and then and, and looking back i was like you know what this it was we had an amazing time yeah and that's usually how it works out it's kind of funny how the the fails that we have which you're going to have every trip turn out being kind of the gems of the trip uh, yeah yeah so that's awesome what is one place that's on your bucket list to go to that you haven't gotten to yet? So one of the places that I really, 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 really want to go to is Italy. I know that's a huge country, but um, that is one of the places on my bucket list because I think it, the culture there looks like it's breathtaking. The architecture, the art, the food, of course, to me, I've seen... I've. I think I go online and I'll Google uh, food tours in Italy and I, some people will put videos up on the food tours that they go to in Italy and looking at the food on those tours, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But I think, I think too, me being a person that, that deals with food and history, any place that can present to me um, a lot of history that I can learn or that I can absorb and that I can take in and a lot of food and culture that I can take in is attractive to me. And of course, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to go to, to Italy? Right. Well, I just say, do you think that uh, Olive Garden's tour of Italy is on par with a food tour in Italy? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, you know, here's a funny story about Olive Garden. I, I do, I'll tell you what. I lied earlier. I do sometimes venture out to chain restaurants. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like a bad food tour owner. But I, when I was in Texas a few years back, I, I growing up at Olive Garden was used to be the place to go to with my family. And when um, when I lived in Houston, I hadn't gone out in, in years. And so I went and I was like, wow, this tastes pretty terrible. And then I said, you know what, maybe it was just a fluke. And I went again and it, the food was terrible. And so I decided, <laughs> you know what, I'm not going to Olive Garden again. And it had been years, uh, three or four years since I'd been back. And living here in Santa Fe, I was like, you know what? There's an Olive Garden here. Let me just try it. So I went and actually the food was really, really good. And I was like, wow, this is, maybe it's just Santa Fe and maybe that's why it's so good. But then on CNN, an article came out how they got a new CEO, I think of Olive Garden and they kind of took out all the things that didn't work. They got their old recipes back and that's why they've, they've kind of made a comeback. Um, and so I was like, wow, that makes sense. The food is actually pretty tasty again. We have a very um, not gluten-free. We like our gluten in our family. So the breadsticks there are just amazing. And that's that's <laughs> well, like my wife will be like, 
I am craving Olive Garden breadsticks and salad. So we that's like, yeah, that's what I go for. Yeah, exactly. which you can always tell makes your waitress real excited when you're like, I want the unlimited salad and breadsticks, please. But we actually <laughs> we like several chain restaurants for desserts, and one of them is Olive Garden for their lemon cream cake. It's it's really good. In fact, I found a knockoff recipe that I think I want to try because that's one thing that I don't go for the pasta. I don't go for any of that. I go for the salad, the breadsticks, and the lemon cream cake. <laughs> I love the salad and breadsticks, yes. The, yeah. the chains have their place. They definitely they do. do. But uh, I think if you're looking for magic, you're going to want to hit up those those local places. And that's where these food tours are really awesome. But I, I really appreciate you coming on, Rupert, and talking about your tour uh we're going to follow up with you when we come through this summer we are for sure yeah we'll get you on a tour uh your website go ahead and plug your website and your phone number yeah absolutely the website is is very is very easy to remember it's www.takeafoodtour.com um our instagram if you'd like to visit and add us is the food tour co so the food tour co we're excited to come to the land of enchantment or they, we call it the land of entrapment because once you come here, you will not leave. <laughs> good to know. Yeah, good to know. No, I had a pleasure hanging out with you guys today. Yeah, I appreciate Thank it. You. Excited to come out and see you. And, and thanks again. And everybody go check it out. Take a food tour in Santa Fe. I am gone tripping. I feel like we're usually pretty good about getting a nice, clean sound. Until Ike comes to visit. He's a very <laughs> chatty baby, so if you heard him in the background, he was just having a grand old time, just squawking and trying to get our attention. Well, he's very social, and he heard us talking. He wanted to be part of the conversation, for sure. And he definitely was. You yeah. can definitely hear him. That's par for the course in our lives. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> we we try to kind of schedule interviews around nap time or everything, but, you know, it's life, and Ike gets to join the party. We have a couple big events that came up this week. Yes. One is Easter. Happy Easter to all of our listeners. Yes. The other is that it's your birthday coming up. So yeah. ha- happy birthday to you. If you guys want to reach out on social media and wish Ren happy birthday, we'd appreciate that. That'll be next week. So next Monday's episode. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just it's coming you, yeah. up in the week. I'm just letting people know if they want to send me a gift. So, oh, so well, I know. So you got to tell them early so it can arrive here <laughs> on your birthday, right? Well, and then we need to talk about the third and possibly the most important thing that's coming up this week. Avengers Endgame comes oh. out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And you're taking me to that for my birthday, right? I am. So you claim that you hate all Marvel things. You're not into any superheroes or any of that stuff. I, you specifically requested to be taken to Avengers Endgame for your birthday. So I just want to show to everybody that for all your complaining, that you are asking to be taken to a Marvel superhero movie of your own free will. Well, first off, I don't complain or like hate. Hate is a strong word. I'm just not like that's not my cup of tea. That's all. But I have found that the only movie I can get you to go with me to is a Marvel movie. That's so, not true. So <laughs> if that's what I have to do to go to a movie with my wife, that's what I want to do for my birthday. That is not true. We went and saw we went and saw Magnificent Seven together when we were dating. Yeah, but that was <laughs> with a group of people, and it was like right at the beginning of dating. So I'm pretty sure we've also seen some cartoons with our children. Yes, <laughs> yes. So whether if it's if it's cartoons with the kids or Marvel movies, that's the only ones you'll go and see with me. Well, but and it's okay. So I don't feel like there's been any really great movies we've wanted to go see. Oh, there have been, but I'm just saying, you know, don't uh, use my dislike for Marvel against me. 
I, I'm not. I'm not using yeah. it against you. <laughs> you're trying to. You're trying I'm to say saying. that I like Marvel when the reality of it is, I just want to go with you. So that'll make it. F- oh, plus this makes you sound like such like a nice guy who's I, all about. Wait, who's are all you <laughs> saying I'm not a nice guy? Is that what I'm, you're saying? I'm saying I think that you're trying to cover the fact that you do like some Marvel movies. This mm. is the point I'm trying to make. Is no, that you do I, like some. I watch a lot of movies that I don't necessarily love or. Think oh great, goodness! But like, oh, it's like oh, I'll watch it once. So here's the thing. Like I saw Endgame with, or not Endgame. What's the other one? Infinity War. Infinity War. So I saw Infinity War with you, and everybody disintegrated. So well, well not everybody. Like technically, half, yeah. Like half the people disintegrated. So I'll go see Endgame to see what happens. But after that, like I'm not gonna be like you, where you watched every Marvel movie like leading up to Endgame over the last couple of weeks. Well, to be fair. We did have that flu that hit our house pretty hard that everybody was sick for like two weeks. So it's easy to get in a bunch of movies in there too. So you're saying you wouldn't have done that? Plus, <laughs> no, I probably would have. And it took me a while. I didn't watch all of them. I just tried to watch a few that I couldn't quite remember in somewhat of a chronological order to right. lead up to Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I, I'll watch it once, but I'm not going to... Afterwards, I'm not going to be like... I mean, I haven't seen Infinity War since, so... It's not like I'm going to go and say, hey, let's watch these movies. Well, we are going to watch Infinity War before we go, just to kind of freshen up. That's okay. the last movie I have to watch. That so makes sense. You are so going to watch it with me. If I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we do have some updates on our road, road trip. Yes. We have had some kinks already thrown into our plan. And we have planned this months in advance. And already there's some things going wrong with it. So we discovered that. Not terribly wrong. No, no, just, not yeah. terribly wrong. But, you know, things happen. I'm just trying to be real and be authentic in the fact of this is how you plan a road trip and this is how it all turns (laughs) out. So we were taking four days to get to our first big stop. We have all these little stops that we're going to, but we've got family in Arizona. And so it's taking us, we're choosing to do that in four days. And then we're going to kind of take our time coming back from Idaho as well, because we'll start in Arizona and then we'll kind of make our way up north and end up in Idaho. And then we were going to take our time coming home. And now that has been scrunched down into two days. So it's going to take us four days to get to Idaho or to Arizona. And now we're going to have to come back in two. So in half the time. Right. So we'll be most likely driving through the night and doing all that stuff. So we have talked about some different options on how to do this. And one of the things we've talked about doing is possibly renting a camper and taking that with us and doing it cross country. And I want to know AR listeners' feedback, if they've done it, what they think, how they're feeling about it. Who you've done it with. Yeah, and just your experiences with it. Yeah, because we've thought about that, and we thought, well, maybe that might be... I mean, I think anywhere going in a camper is an adventure, and then just doing it in this gigantic road trip is also an adventure, and to combine the two, maybe it'll be like the <laughs> mega adventure. For sure, for sure. Well, I definitely don't want to go too big um, on the camper. No, we definitely would go small. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were planning on doing this whole road trip in a tiny not a tiny car but in an suv so it's not like yeah we need to go and get the largest motor home possible like we were already <laughs> planning on being in cramped quarters yes yes well and that's the thing that uh i think will be interesting as we figure this out but we've talked about doing it in four days but as we go some of the things we have planned we might do it in three because we just want to get there but the nice thing is is all the episodes of the Gontrapin podcast that we have to listen to as we drive. That's true. <laughs> and we will actually also be broadcasting every day, kind of an update of yeah. this. Do some how, live and some 
this some recorded stuff. Yeah, and we can talk about how this is the disaster that happened today, or this went really well, or we did not plan for this and we should have. <laughs> and Lots all those of fun pictures. Yes, and all that fun stuff. So we make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Gone Trippin Podcast, following us on Facebook at Gone Trippin Podcast, and on our website at GoneTrippinPodcast.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes and you can listen to them on your favorite podcast listening app as well. Gone Trippin, my wagoneer and I, Gone Trippin, reading the road signs, Gone Trippin, one playlist at a time, Gone Trippin, odometers ticking, my mountain doing rebel sipping. I'm a road warrior on a mission. You won't find me just sitting home wishing. Cause I am gone tripping. Last question. Hold on, don't ask it yet. <laughs> <laughs>